I'm Bob Dickey, and welcome to another episode of Taking the Leap Podcast. My guest today is my good friend, Jess Ma. Jess is the founder and executive chairman of Indonero, a business that runs tax, accounting, and finance operations for thousands of companies. She is also the co-founder and chair of Astonishing Labs and the founding partner of Maway, a venture builder that creates innovative, industry-changing, billion-dollar businesses that improve the world. She earned her Associate of Arts degree from Bard College and her Bachelor's in Computer Science from the University of California, Berkeley. She is also in the Harvard Business School President's Program and is a member of the Young President's Organization, YPO. In her spare time, she's a private pilot and enjoys flying her plane around the country. She started her first business in high school at the age of 13 and has been recognized by Forbes and Inc. Magazine as 30 under 30 entrepreneur leaders. She's extremely talented, but more important, has a heart to help and encourage people in life. I know you're gonna enjoy this conversation, so let's jump right in. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being with us today. I've uh, really wanted to interview you for quite some time. You are quite a busy person. You've got a lot of things going on. I've been checking out all the exciting things that you've been posting on LinkedIn. And I just I just want to say thank you for taking the time to be with us and answer a few questions this afternoon. My absolute pleasure. Anything for you. <laughs> you you're a rock star classmate of mine. And uh, I've always enjoyed being able to kind of hang out with you and just see how you think and process about the world and you know, hear about all the things that you're doing and uh, your, your various startups. But one of the places I'd love to, to start, because we've, we've had a lot of people who are really interested to hear about your story and the things that you've done. But the fact that you know, we live in some really interesting times. And there's, I think, a lot of folks that we're seeing that are wanting to become entrepreneurs, uh, start their entrepreneurial journey so that they can have maybe more agency and more control in their life, right? But that is a journey that is also kind of sometimes fraught with some challenges, and it's a different type of mindset from being an employee. And when I look at you and your background, you started your entrepreneurial journey when you were 13 years old. I mean, in high school, starting your first company. I'd love to kind of go all the way back to when Jess was 13 years old. What inspired you? What got you thinking about, you know what? I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. What was going through your mind? I think I, yeah, wow. Going back to when I was 13, I never wanted to work for anybody. I never wanted to have a job. And I remember thinking it's either I start a company or I end up getting like a terrible job at the mall mm -hmm. or, or like at the local coffee shop <laughs> where I'm like raking leaves for my neighbors or yeah. like plow, plowing snow. Yeah. Um, that didn't sound very fun to me. And, and I really enjoyed computer stuff. So started a business from my bedroom and at the time it, it's, it, it was actually um, not easy when you're 13 to build a co-location and dedicated server business. So basically offering um, uh, web hosting and computing power to other companies. And we had some really notable companies who were customers of ours. At the age of 13, at the, at the age of 13. How did you, how did you discover that like you, so you you saw a problem, something that you were wanting to solve? I mean, how did you have this insight? I didn't really see that it was a big problem. I just wanted to have access to a lot of servers mm -hmm. to like 
I don't know, play video games, basically. Like, mm-hmm. have my own gaming servers, like, do my own, like, online um, video broadcasting and just have access to that. And I'm like, how do I pay for that? Well, I could sell this to other people who also need it. And, and then word of mouth spread. And then, you know, at one point we had a thousand customers. And, and so it's kind of weird going to school knowing that I'm getting yelled at by my teachers for whatever it is. And yet I'm making more money than my teachers. So I found it very hard to pay attention. Yeah. Um, but I also felt uh, super stressed out all the time. Um, so, you know, you think, oh, I build a business, I make money, I'm going to have freedom, I'm going to have happiness. And I was just so stressed out. Like, I was working a full-time job while going to school full-time. So I would be checking my work email during lunch and during the breaks. And replying to customer emails during those times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to delegate yet, by the way. I didn't know how to properly hire people. So it was like a lot of work for me. I was getting sales calls like on my cell phone in school. And by the way, you're not supposed to have a cell phone at school. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was really, really difficult. But that's my first foray into it. And, uh, and then, yeah, I never ended up having a real job. That just kind of set everything in motion. Once you discovered that you wanted to be your own boss and work for yourself, have agency in your life, control your schedule, can you know make those decisions? It's it's kind of hard to go back and say, like you said, you know, go work for somebody else. Um, one of the things that I hear all the time from people who are wanting to become an entrepreneur, they're like, ah, I just don't know how to do it. I don't know if I've got, I don't have the time. Where am I going to find the time in my life? I've, you know, especially let's say mid career professionals who are start, you know, starting this journey. You're like, well, I've got, you know, um, uh, I've got relationships and I maybe maybe some have children or they've got a full time job, whatnot. Here you are. You're figuring out how to do this when you're going to high school and you're answering service calls, you know, in school. I would imagine that one of the things that you learned early on was time management and you just figured out a way if you're passionate about something, you figure out a way to get it done and to find the time in your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I. I had school, obviously, and then I had like tennis and piano and all the other stuff that you do when you're a kid. Right. And then, oh, oh, by the way, homework. Oh, yeah. There's that small thing called homework I had to do. <laughs> and you're a great, and you're a great student, by the way, right? You went to Cal Berkeley and you got a computer science degree, so it's not like you're sloughing off in your academics. I mean, you're a, a world class student. Well, I ended up being a world class student, but at the time, my uh, grades are slipping a bit. I'll be honest. Like I was not getting good grades when my business was starting to take off. Uh, but my attitude was, well, look, I have a day job, school, homework, piano, whatever. Mm-hmm. And if the business is just slowly growing, it's not a big deal. Cause it's not my full-time thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember making the first $5,000. I was so excited. And then the next $50,000. So excited. And then the next $100,000. Like, okay, so it just slowly just checks up and up and up. And it, the business would only grow, um, you know, based on how much effort I was putting in. I didn't have it sustainably growing on its own yet. Um, but if I didn't have to go to school, then it got to the point where I would have, if I were an adult, I would have had an the decision, do I 
keep my day job or do I quit my day job now that I'm making enough money to pay the bills. Right. Obviously, I didn't have any bills because I was living with my parents, but uh, but I would have gotten there. And it, it probably took about a year, a year and a half of working on the business to get to that um, that fork in the road, so to speak. Wow. So are there things that you uh, learned in that process early on? I mean, you said a few, a few seconds ago that, you know, there was a lot of times where you were just stressed out. And I mean, as a 13 year old starting a business and kind of figuring it out, I'm guessing you probably had a mentor or a coach or somebody along the way, who's maybe, you know, helping you or giving you some words of encouragement. Where were you going for knowledge? Um, as you're learning how to become an entrepreneur, were you self-taught? Were you just like reading, pulling books out, out of Barnes and Noble and, you know, reading them off the shelf? Actually, yeah, I was going to Barnes and Noble and pulling books off the shelf. So that is correct. I had no mentor. I had no friends who were doing this. Um, I had to learn it on my own. And now that I'm an adult, now that I've got a ton of companies that I've started, I, I just can't even imagine how I, how I did all of that. Like, it's funny that you're asking me these questions about middle school and how I was when I was 13. I haven't talked to anybody about this. Yeah. Like, like, thought this is just, I, I, you're really uh, having me go back to this time that I try to forget about because I was just so stressed out all the time. And I had no friends. I had like, I was very unpopular. It was very uncool. And so it all led to me wanting to compensate for all of the things that happened right. in those years as an adult. Yeah. Like, how do I build bigger businesses? How do I not have the same problems I had in middle school? How do I actually have friends along the way? Mm -hmm. How do I do this in a sustainable way? All those questions. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I failed. I'm glad I had all these problems when I was 13 and 14 and 15 uh, because it led me to seriously pondering those deep philosophical questions I just listed. Um, and I'll admit I'm still working on it. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've, I don't even you know. It's like eight, nine, 10 companies now mm -hmm. that are, you know, cumulatively valued at almost a billion dollars that I've started. That's amazing. And yeah, it's cool. I just, I just, I just counted last night because I'm like, wait, what? What are my companies worth now? And I, I realized that, as, um, in a weird way, doing a small business that makes only a few hundred thousand dollars a year. That was my my middle school business. I guess that's mm -hmm. I, it's it's like not a terrible business for middle school for kid. It's mm -hmm. it's great, but. It's harder to do that actually mm -hmm. than to grow a business that's yeah. doing millions of dollars, which is uh, harder than you know right. me having a bunch of businesses. And as you kind of go from each level to the next, you do have to rethink everything, or you're going to get stuck there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't fully appreciate that. I think I was worried that. If it was going to be that much work at small scale, it would be even more work at big scale. And that's not the case. It's actually the reverse yeah. uh, is what I'm finding. That is so interesting. And, and I, I want to uh, dive into that a little bit because I, one of the things that I wanted to, and the reason why I went all the way back to the beginning, I want to talk about 13-year-old Jess getting started in middle school and what you learned there in the, in the, in the process. Because 
you know, at my my daughter, she just graduated. You've met Tris. She graduated from the University of Tennessee. She's now in her fellowship program, and she's you know making her way in in the business world. And she knows about you. You know, you inspire her. And, you know, so many of her friends have, you know, heard about you and researched you and they go out there and they're like, oh my gosh, Jessica Ma, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, so, you know, this is this iconic businesswoman and she's, you know, she was, you know, Forbes 30 under 30 and she was, you know, Inc 30 under 30. She was on the cover of Inc magazine and, you know, it can be pretty intimidating for, you know, young girls or people looking at you like, oh my gosh, you know, look at all this that, that she's done. And could I ever accomplish that? And I know that from the conversations I've had with successful business leaders like yourself, there's always an origin story going all the way back to the big beginning where it's like, it's hard work. You're piecing it together. Like, like you just said, there's success, there's failure, you're learning along the way. But I love the fact that you said that it, it actually, as you're learning, as you're growing, it gets easier. It doesn't get harder. Right. And like, so um, I don't know, just think about, just, I, I appreciate you kind of sharing some of those, those early moments. Cause I think that can be inspiring for people who they, they want to be an entrepreneur, but it just seems like such a daunting task. Like I, I could never be Jess, but what they don't see is that you went through all those trials and hardships and it, you just kept, kept at it. You didn't quit. Yeah, exactly. It's really hard no matter what, no matter who you are. And I have those feelings too still. When I see my friends who are crushing it and their company's worth like $30 billion or whatever. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? What is wrong with me? I have those feelings like every day still. So I'm still a very insecure person. And I still have the questions of like, okay, like how do I get to the next level or the, um, you know, get, get my businesses to 10 X from where they are today. So I think everyone has these thoughts and questions, no matter what. And, and I think the key is for me, at least it's when I focus too much on other people and what they've done. And I wonder how they got there. Um, and if they're too far away, mm -hmm. um, from a stage perspective, I, I get a little bit lost. Mm -hmm. Whereas, and then what I have to do is I have to just focus back on like, where am I in my journey? Like, what are the problems I have ahead of me? And how do I just like take one step further? Yes. And cause we're really in competition with ourselves at the end of the day, yes. not with the rest of the world now. And there's just so much noise out there with the news and with like, you know, cocktail talk. I think that's why um, I really enjoy like our YPO friends because mm. we are really supporting each other. We know how hard it is for our YPO friends to build their businesses and go through what they're going through. So that's, that's my perspective, just focusing on your own journey and, you know, the next step ahead, the next month, the next quarter, you don't need to worry about next year. It's good to think about next year or the mm. five year plan. But it's like, I think I like the ratio being 80% the next 30 or 45 days oh, and awesome. then 10% being the next quarter out and then 10% being, you know, the next three, five years out. Um, also, I love the, uh, the quote around how 
people tend to overestimate what they could get done in a short amount of time. But we consistently underestimate what we could get done over a five or 10 year period. And I think that comes to show that, um, that, I mean, as humans, we are, and as entrepreneurs, we're naturally super optimistic. And if that's the case, and we don't get as much done in a 30 day, 90 day, or even 12 month period, we're a little upset and distraught and like we lose a little bit of motivation. But then you look back over the past decades, like, wow, look at what I've done. I never would have thought that I'd be, you know, fly my own private jet around for fun. Like I never thought about that like 10 years ago. I was just like struggling to pay for my rent 10 years ago, right? And 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 so I think keeping that perspective is just really uh, motivating for an entrepreneur. So those consistent small steps in the right direction day after day after day, it's amazing what you can accomplish over the course of five, 10 years. You You highlighted about the importance of community and friendship. You were talking about like our YPO uh, community that you and I um, you know, participate in that you kind of give context and support during our entrepreneurial journey. Uh, can you maybe just unpack that a little bit more in terms of how important community is or, you know, support groups to, you know, as people go through, you know, not, not only just the highs, but also the lows, right? Community is extremely important in our journey, right? Yeah, I think I I really believe in entrepreneur communities. I've been part of many over the years in California. I even started a community called Badass Female Founders, the BFS, <laughs> and it's a few hundred uh, self-proclaimed badass female founders. And all of us are going through challenges with hiring and raising money, and you know, building products and growing our bu- businesses, right? So. We have events and we, you know, go on trips together. It's really cool. Um, I've also been part of um, EO, mm-hmm. um, which I think that's like a million dollars in revenue is kind of the, the bare minimum to get mm-hmm. into that group. And then you and I are part of YPO, Young Presidents Organization, um, where you have to be a bit bigger than that. But what's cool is that you just find different support communities along the way and that just helps uh, keep me grounded. It keeps me sane. And I think that of all the self-development I do, I probably spend 75% of that time on just my mindset and my psychology. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, when they're doing self-development, it's, it's like disproportionate towards tactics. And what do I do in the business? And I actually think a lot of entrepreneurs we have a natural instinct on what has to get done next like sometimes what has to get done is not that complicated it's not that hard it's the real challenge is our mindset and our attitude and that's holding us back as business owners more than anything else um for example i have a lot of friends who have businesses that have stayed very very small and it stayed small for them because perhaps they're a perfectionist and because they haven't, you know, talked to their community or their mentors or found a mentor to help them 
relieve that. They just want to stay in the weeds on everything, right? So their business can't grow. Mm -hmm. That's really a mindset challenge more than a tactic challenge. They know they have to let go. They just don't know how. And just something about how they were raised prevents them from being able to do that, right? And so I really advocate having a personal and or executive coach um, to talk these things through. Um, I also really believe in having one, if not two, psychologists, therapists to help you think through these things. And so I, I have two executive coaches and two uh, therapists I'm working with at any given time just to keep the momentum on my mindset evolving. I remember um, you mentioning some of your executive coaches and how important they were to you. And I just re reached out to you within the last month or so, asking you for particular references and contacts on executive coaches because I was searching uh, one for myself and also for another friend. And I greatly appreciate the recommendations that you gave me. And uh, I would say I'd echo your sentiments is that the you know mentorship coaches, people who can uh, provide insight on your entrepreneurial journey and help you along the way is so important. I don't know anybody who does it by themselves. Anybody that I respect, that people that I look up to and want to emulate are doing exactly what you're doing, right? They've got multiple people uh, around them, uh, resources that they're going to use uh, to help them be the best version of themselves. And I think one of the things that was really interesting that you just highlighted is the fact that you spend so much time on your own personal mindset and development. And that was one of the questions I, I had written down. You know, people are, I think, really worried when they're hearing about how quickly the world is changing, chat GPT and AI and all these things that are coming out. And it's kind of hard to maybe for people to say, okay, well, what skill sets are going to get whittled away. You know, am I going to become irrelevant because, you know, AI is going to be able to, you know, take over my job. You're hearing every sector of the economy uh, talking about it. And I'm curious, what are you doing? You mentioned a little bit of it, but I, if there's more, I'd like to understand what you're doing as a leader to grow and increase your skill sets and to continue to learn uh, to make you, you know, successful and be relevant in all the various leadership roles that you're in. I think that being up to date on the latest technology and research, it's very time consuming. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually spending a whole day every other week to do nothing but just research the latest trends in science and AI and technology. Like today, after we're done, I'm just going to deep dive into um, like I have a pile of papers, like science papers I got to go through just to orient myself on the latest, you know, medical and, you know, ecology and longevity research. And then AI, of course, I've got, um, I, I have a ton of, I think it's one thing to just read something or do YouTube videos to learn. Um, immersion is really important. So I'm actually putting together a bunch of mini projects for myself using GPT-4. Um, and so I think allocating the time and putting it on the calendar at a time is the only way this happens where otherwise as a business owner, what are we going to do? We're going to be reactive. We're going to do whatever is like in the email inbox or like replying to the latest text mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I think, a big danger. As we get further along, we must be more proactive about how we spend our time. Um, so, you know, there's the coaching, community and mindset, right? All that time gets locked up 
like with YPO, you know, we put the calendar together a whole year in advance so that we don't fuck over it. Yeah. And we take it seriously. It's religious. Mm-hmm. And then I have my research time, my research days where I talk to nobody. I'm just doing research. That's also religious um, for me. And, uh, and yeah, I think the biggest danger is for a business owner who builds a decent, good, sustainable business, but they're not advancing forward. Um, it's not even that they're going to become irrelevant per se. It's just that it's that whole attitude of not pushing the envelope means that they're not going to take advantage of the latest mm-hmm. trends. And that's where the big growth comes. So it's like AI, for example, I think a lot of people have the attitude of um, being fearful that that's going to make humans irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And I, that's just not a productive attitude or mindset. Right. It's, it's a, like, are you scared of AI? It's a terrible question. Um, how about we ask better questions? Like, how are you going to take advantage of AI? How are you going to make AI the best thing that's happened to you all year? Like the coolest thing. And I have these conversations with people every single day because everyone seems so scared of AI. Um, and I have my own reasons for why actually you don't think AI is going to destroy the world, but I'll save that for another day or another podcast or whatever. I just keep jacking. Like ChatGPT, for example, I keep that open in my in my browser, and I'm using it every day for something stupid. Like no matter what, I want to use it. I want to integrate it in my workflow. I'm like, what should I do? You know, what? I'm gonna ask GPT what GPT thinks. Yeah. Um, or I'm coming trying to come up with a name for a new business. All right, let's go to GPT and have GPT come up with some ideas for me. Um, and look up the domains to see if they're available. Like that's how cool yeah. it is. Or um, even as simple as like I was uh, applying, a, I was putting together my Burning Man camp this mm-hmm. year, and you have to apply and put together a whole application. And mm-hmm. GPT helped me put together most of my application for me, and it saved me dozens of hours. Yeah. So um, anyway, the real point is whatever we're scared of, how do we reverse it? And instead of being scared of it, how do we treat it as an opportunity for us? And um, I think just spending time with something, you get more comfort. Yeah. And blocking off that time ahead of time is, is the, the hack, the productivity hack for doing that. Well, I want to talk about uh, time blocking because it sounds like that that's probably a, a skill set that you're using, right? I, I hear a lot of leaders that specifically talk about time blocking and how important that is in their schedule. I'll come to that in just a second. But I want to echo uh, what you've just said about AI. Many of the leaders that I'm talking to are looking at I was just talking to my brother-in-law. He was on the podcast uh, maybe a week or so ago. He has a large law firm in Nashville, Tennessee, and he sees uh, all these AI mechanisms. Bob, it's it will definitely change our industry, but I'm looking at it how it is going to empower our staff, our attorneys, to be almost superhuman. They're going to be able to do the work of three or four attorneys. They're going to be more productive. And so I think most, a lot of business leaders are are having that mindset of how is it going to supercharge, um, you know, all of our staff and make them almost like the the, the seven million dollar man back in the day. You know, par- partially. Um, you know, driven by this, this engine behind the scenes. So I, I echo your excitement. I also see, you know, that there's going to be if, for people who are not prepared and are not looking at it in a positive light. I mean, there's, there'll probably be some folks that will be displaced and that's why it's so important for people to, you know, lean in and leverage this technology and figure out a way in which it's going to make them 
the best version of themselves. It sounds like, you know, when you're talking about blocking out your calendar, you just said so important to make sure you, you know, block these times as an entrepreneur. Otherwise, you're just going to get um, pulled into, you know, fighting the fires, the latest email that comes in or the text message that comes in. It sounds like you do time blocking, right? Like you, you, you're planning your, your calendar in advance the next day, the next week, even all the way out in a year and say, these are the most important things. Here's how I'm spending my time. You're doing it this afternoon. This time is set aside for this research. Can you talk maybe a little bit about why that's so important for an entrepreneur, maybe your, your mindset behind that? Yeah, I think that by doing time blocking, you uh, you realize how little time there is available to actually just be reactive. So that's the biggest benefit to time blocking. And uh, I know for me, at least as an entrepreneur, I there are just too many priorities, right? Mm -hmm. And so, how do you make sure that you don't like your assistant doesn't just book over all your time with meetings, and you actually have time to like think and to just like do a project or push something forward. So I also time block 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. most days for just like critical project thinking mm -hmm. time. I might, I still might book over it, but I'll block it off by default. Mm -hmm. And then I have to make an exception to break that rule for myself. And uh, I also had a full day every week that's blocked off as the no meeting day of the week. Oh, love it. So I could also just think about stuff and work on whatever I need to work on. And so that's, that's great. And it's also allowed me to think through, like, do I really need to take all these meetings that I'm taking? Or can I just like delegate these out? Right. So yeah, I love it. I, I think it's definitely made my life a lot better. It's a great hack. And it allows you to prioritize the most important things and push the irrelevant, you know, you know, off the, off the calendar. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned over time or what maybe you've seen. I mean, you've been an entrepreneur your entire life. So you have developed a entrepreneurial mindset. And one of the things that I know is that I've seen there is a very big difference between the entrepreneur's mindset and the employee mindset. Now you have, I think you just said a minute ago, maybe nine different companies. So you have a lot of different employees that work for you. What would you say is the difference between an entrepreneur's mindset versus an employee mindset? Because people who are in this transition, it's like, I want to be an entrepreneur, like, okay, but you're going to have to think differently, right? You're, there, there's certain things that you've got to understand that's a different as an entrepreneur than when you're just an employee. I think the biggest mindset shift is that you're going to embody a sense of ownership and radical self-reliance. You can't complain to HR or your manager or your boss if, if your job is not, you know, perfect, mm -hmm. right? Um, you're the business owner. It's The buck stops with you. So I think that's the first thing. Uh, the next thing is uh, optimism mindset um, all the way. So... You know, this woe is me, like, I can't believe I'm in this job I hate. Like, you don't have the ability to do that anymore as an entrepreneur. Like, you have to be optimistic and positive about pretty much everything, which I argue is really good because it bleeds over into your personal life as well. Um, then you're, like, optimistic about everything. Like, everything is possible. Like, how cool is that to, like, to live in that state 24-7? Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's not entrepreneur you don't feel that way all the time you feel demoralized and you know rejected and pissed off and angry like as well mm -hmm. but um i think 
at least you're in charge. At least you have the ability to sway that. So uh, that's another thing. And and then forced self-improvement and self-development is another mindset shift. Like you're always trying to grow yourself. When if you're an employee, like you don't really need to grow yourself. You just have to get the job done. And then if you go home, hang out with your kids, hang out with your friends, um, and like park work to the side. Mm-hmm. But as a business owner, you really have to think through how do I evolve myself as a person? How do I really understand my psychology in a like, you know, ninja level good? Because mm-hmm. um, that leads over into your work, right? Um, and, and then there is like a, you know, a work-life integration piece. Like, mm-hmm. you, like work-life balance is not, and separation is no longer a thing. Like your business is a part of you. You are a part of your business. Uh, it's, if you say, oh, I want work-life balance with the company I started, that's like saying I want uh, spouse life balance. <laughs> like imagine saying that, like it's, or I want, you know, child life balance. Like, no, your children are part of your life and vice versa. Like, like that's just kind of weird. I have never heard anybody say it like that, and that is a brilliant insight. Absolutely brilliant insight. Is that I, it? Literally, is the best description I have ever heard of that. So I'm glad that I'm glad to see that, and I hope that you know, I hope every other people embody that. And it's not that it means that you have to work all the time, like a hundred hours a week. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's all molded together. So like my mom, she was an entrepreneur when I was a kid super inspiring for me and the way she integrated her work i mean a she would work from home quite a bit so i would get to see her at the dining table doing work mm-hmm. and then at dinner we talk about her work she told me about her challenges she told me about the good things and she didn't try to keep it separate like she brought it to me and my brother and wanted us to know about you know dealing with tariffs in China, manufacturing issues and transport issues and, you know, customs. She was in a clothing manufacturing and design business. And I thought that was really cool. I wanted to see that. And I have a lot of friends who always ask, well, how did it feel when your mom had to go on a trip to China or when she had to leave you with the babysitter? Did that screw you up in any way? I get asked this all the time, and I don't feel like it screwed me up at all. If anything, I feel like I have the most stable, positive, uh, loving relationship with my mom because a she didn't like baby me too much. She didn't like she wasn't overbearing as a parent and wanted to be in everything. She gave me my space, let me have my own independence, freedom to explore and be curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the same token, she was honest about her communication. She said, hey, I'm going to China. Here's what I'm going to do in China. Here's what I'm going to learn and figure out and problem solve mm-hmm. for. And like when I get back, we're going to talk about what I did. And I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. So I, I think, why do I share that? I share that because I think a lot of uh, parents are scared of screwing up their kids mm-hmm. uh, by starting a business. I think, um, and, and I, I think you j- it just doesn't have to be that way. My mom was home. She was home. She was there. She wasn't like still in work mode. But anyway, I'm glad that you shared that because I agree with you that that it tends to be a fear that maybe I 
hear from people who are like, I don't know if I've got the time or, you know, I've got all these different competing, you know, priorities in my life. What about my, my spouse? What about my kids? And I'll tell you that some of the, like you, some of the people that I admire and respect the most who I think like, my goodness, this person is absolutely brilliant. How do they have so much knowledge at the, at their age? And a lot of times it tracks back to they grew up in a family where they had uh, parents who were either entrepreneurs or professionals, and they were bringing that work home and teaching their kids. And so kids are growing up and learning all these things. And so much of that learning came from the home environment. And they just, they ended up being so much more well-rounded and more advanced and uh, capable in life because their parents were investing that time in them. And uh, obviously that, that happened with you and your, your mom teaching you and ha having that be a part of your, your family dynamic. A second ago, you said that optimism for an entrepreneur is so important. Having that, you know, positive, you know, mental attitude and being optimistic and, you know, every, everything is reliant on you. But I also know that there's many times that we as entrepreneurs, uh, we, we face challenges, we face difficulties, something, you know, we've got all these plans, it's important to plan, but then something happens that we weren't planning on, you know, something in our business isn't working right. Or maybe, you know, during the, these last couple of years, we've had, you know, COVID, we've had, you know, inflation, recession, these are things that can impact businesses, you know, in a very negative way. I mean, just recently we had the Silicon Valley bank failure and there's a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders who were very concerned about that. Can you talk about, you know, operating with a positive mental attitude, having optimism, uh, and how you, you know, maybe in the midst of all a challenge that you might be going through where it feels like the world is just crashing in on you, but you're like, Oh my goodness, I'm the leader. I've got to have a good mental attitude. I've got to, you know, dig my way out of this. How do you, in, in those situations, what do you do? What, what, what's the, the skill sets that you've learned to be optimistic in those times? Just because you're an optimistic person doesn't mean you have to be optimistic all the time. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing. I, I remember with COVID, everyone was freaking out. I was freaking out because, like, no, there's no rule book for what to do. Oh, when a global pandemic hits, here's what you're going to do step by step for dozens. That didn't exist yeah. for any of us. And um, I remember having to do like a big layoff. Because, you know, my business was upside down, you know, when COVID was hitting. And, I mean, I had to really look under the covers in a way that I hadn't had a look before. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I remember, um, I remember, like, rallying my leadership team and, and saying, hey, like, this is going to be really tough, but... Also, this is an opportunity for us to clean up the business. Yeah. This is an opportunity for us to, um, you know, really focus on our strongest team members, um, focus on fewer product offerings that we're really going to nail. So I, I still had to have that mm -hmm. attitude as part of it. And in hindsight, like a lot of businesses came out of the pandemic a lot stronger and a lot better and more focused and whatnot. So, so I, I think, you know, I start with, I think it's okay to be upset and just get it out of your system for a day. But then it's like, all right, I want to like schedule the amount of time I'm going to be upset. And then once I'm at the end of that time, then no longer being upset. Now it's an optimist, like productive mindset mode. So yeah, I think it's okay to let it out and, and to give yourself that, that time. I, if anything, I think it's actually important. It's critical as an optimist to just like, 
fully embody, I am angry, I am pissed, this is terrible, and just like let it out, scream, shout, kick, whatever, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just going straight into optimist m- mindset is a bit dangerous because then you're not, you know, listening to like, wow, I'm actually scared right now. Like, I'm really, really fearful. And by listening to yourself feel that, it actually dissipates those feelings mm-hmm. and it doesn't come up later um, nearly as much. So that's, that's how I would. That's great advice. One, one of the things that I will do during those time frames is if I'm, you know, dealing with FUD, you know, the fear, uncertainty and doubt, maybe, you know, stress or anger. Um, I find that if I try to navigate that by myself, that I usually, that, that, that's not where I'm the healthiest. And when I, and this is where I really leverage our YPO groups, but with my YPO forum, that's where, you know, if, when I can sit down, a lot of times I'll sit down with my wife, Brandy, I'll, you know, be open with her talk to her about some things and say, Hey, this is what I'm processing. This is how I'm thinking, you know, where's my blind spots. And I'll do that with my YPO form be like, okay, here's how I'm thinking, but where are my blind spots? What am I missing? You know, where am I just being ridiculous and like maybe overly emotional or whatever and be like, Hey, Bob, this makes sense. You know, they'll go, they'll go down the list. Okay. This is right. This is right. Hey, you know what? You're being a little bit too hard on yourself here. Or you're, you're really scared about this and that really, you shouldn't be worried about this. This is going to take care of itself. But I find that the, that outside perspective and counsel uh, from people, people that I trust uh, is so helpful during those time frames. Yeah, that's great. I totally agree with that. Sharing it and getting that perspective from the community goes a long, long way. Have there been times in your career where you've had to uh, make a leap where you didn't know? I mean, that's the uh, the title of my podcast. I mean, um, where you've had to make kind of a leap into the unknown. You didn't have it fully prepared. You didn't know exactly where you're going, but you're like, I, I this is kind of the direction I'm headed, and I feel like I'm just I'm going to go out there and start uh, hacking my way through the jungle, and I'm going to I'm going to create a path, right? Are there are there been times like that in your career, and what have you learned during maybe those processes? Yeah, I feel that way all the time. I think all business leaders are feeling that way about AI right now, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the notion of if you're not having that a little bit, then you're probably not pushing the bounds. So that's the first first yeah. thing. And I, uh, I mean, recently I I was going through that while I was building out some of my my bio ventures, and I've come from a software and computer background, um, know nothing about, you know, bio, biology, biotech, and therapeutics, and FDA. Mm-hmm. Very complicated new area where a lot of people lose a lot of money. And I really wanted to break in. So I hired a search firm, a headhunter, went out and interviewed a ton of potential CEO candidates for, um, for my company there. and learned a lot, made a lot of friends, found someone who has ended up like in a way educating me on the whole thing. And, and then just like networking around and like getting more perspectives, making new friends in that, in that field. So I had to literally practice this like, okay, yes, I've been successful in this other area, but here I know nothing. I'm like a total amateur. Um, but I trust that I'll be able to figure this out. And also I remember with software, I felt the same way when I was getting started. I moved to Silicon Valley. I'm like, I know nobody, I know nothing. 
And I thought mentally, okay, this is probably a 10 year journey before I feel like I am an industry veteran. Mm -hmm. So coming into Vaya, I thought, all right, this is a 10 year investment and it's going to feel very uncomfortable for like at least the first six or seven years. And that's okay. And if anything, this is super exciting and fun. Also, as an industry outsider, this is an opportunity for me to see things that the insiders can't see. I could do, I could push the balance on this and do things that are innovative, bring in AI, bring in computer science, all these things that I'm super comfortable with to disrupt biotech. Um, that's, that's been my mindset. And I'm getting a lot of feedback from, you know, the people we work with and people who are doing deals with saying, wow, like, this is just not how bio is done. And I'm like, exactly. How great is this? Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a little bit of the need to embrace it. And it'll be okay knowing it's going to take 10 years. I love the fact that you're highlighting th this ability to be a lifelong learner and you're very inquisitive. That's those are two things that I've noticed about you over the years. It's just that you're, you're insatiable appetite to learn and grow. And you're also just very naturally inquisitive. And I think that those are two hallmarks of great entrepreneurs. And so many times I think that there's, we live in a society where people don't want to be wrong. Uh, they don't want to look like, um, a novice or a fool or like, like, like they don't know what they're doing, but great entrepreneurs that are going into new areas. Like you just said a second ago, it's like, I'm an outsider. I don't know anything about this. I'm a, I'm a novice. Right. And so I was like, I'm learning, uh, I'm going to become a, you know, leverage my lifelong learning skills, my uh, natural and uh, curiosity. And I'm going to come in here and I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow, I'm going to develop. And guess what? I'm bringing a superpower with me because I'm going to see the world in this new area different than all of the incumbents. Can you highlight for, for people who might be a little bit scared to, to make that risk or to, to, to do something where they're not good, right? Like everybody wants to stay in their comfort zone where they're world-class, but to actually have outsized success and to do something new, sometimes you've got to be willing to go back to the basics and be, you know what? I'm going to be a beginner all over again. And that's kind of what you're doing right now in that biosciences area. Yeah, totally. Um, and I remember feeling really uncomfortable mm -hmm. like when I was getting started here, like super weird talking to these world-class scientists and like people who've taken drugs through FDA. I'm like, wow, like a little starstruck mentality in mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So I wasn't amused to that. But what's cool is I also had flashbacks when I was getting into software and mm -hmm. I was just mesmerized. I'm like, I felt inspired. I felt like I felt like I was learning and growing in a way that like the last few mm -hmm. years of me working on just software, mm -hmm. I didn't feel I'm like, okay, I could do this like in my sleep. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so innate in me to like on how to think about a software business. Um, so so I, I focused more on that feeling mm -hmm. of like, inspired and, mm -hmm. and uh and and also how did i get here i just look at incredible business leaders like steve jobs who built both apple and pixar like he was basically the he made most of his money from the movie business not from apple actually yeah. and then you look at elon yeah. right with i mean he did payments and then went into space and you know the automotive industry it's just like when the more you learn, the more you're able to learn more stuff. And it's actually an exponential effect. And so I observed this in some of the best le business leaders mm -hmm. in the world. And I thought, all right, I want to be able to do that. Um, and if not, 
I have nothing to lose. That's There's right. like literally no downside. I am no worse off than where I am today. That's right. And that's, I think, when I was able to make the leap. Hey, you're not uh, worried about the outcome because you're enjoying the process. You're like, I love to learn and you know, you're, you're making advancements no matter what you do. You know, with all of the research that you're doing right now, and you've got, uh, I love the, the new ventures that you're starting. And uh, specifically, you know, you're pivoting a little bit out of your area of expertise into some of these new areas of longevity and biosciences and whatnot. Do you have any type of insights around the world, any projections that you can make or things that you see coming down the path? I mean, how, how do you take a look at 23 and how we're, how we're doing right now in 24? I mean, what's, what, what excites you? I mean, obviously, obviously these businesses that you're building and the in industries that you're operating in, but I'm just curious if any insights you might have. Yeah, I think that you're going to live past 100. Uh, I preach, think preach, you're going to live keep past going. 120. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right? It's, it's a great time to be alive. Uh, like, and I'm seeing this, you know, science, like at like the earliest ages too, which is cool. Um, I think you're going to be able to heal our organs, even after they've been damaged. So your heart, your lungs, like we will clean them up. Um, kind of like you could still drive like a car from the 1950s if you just maintain it well. Well, mm -hmm. human body, I think is similar. I think that precision medicine, especially for cancer is going to be a thing in the next decade. Um, you know, we're going to look at your markers and based on that, this medication will work for you and this medication will work for someone else, mm -hmm. even though you both have stage four lung cancer. Um, so, um, so I think all of that's going to change medicine and, you know, we're starting to get there. Finally, I feel like the past 50 years, it's been very slow and tedious, but I, I'm seeing acceleration there. Um, what, just real quick, I want, on the acceleration in medicine, why is that? Is that because of compute power and advancements in th th that type of technology, or is it just new insights? Why all of a sudden are we hitting this inflection point where so many incredible advancements are being made? Um, I think that a lot of the donors from software, the software world mm -hmm. are coming in and realizing that we have to do things differently, and they're willing to fund the more bold approaches to science that you know current scientists don't normally have access to. Two, I think bringing in AI and uh, you know information theory techniques into uh, science mean that you know this is more possible. I think the FDA's evolved. They've enabled us to have more accelerated pathways for approval on drugs, especially drugs that are curing currently uncurable diseases. I guess you call them orphan diseases, right? So, so yeah, all those things together make it make it possible. And also, you know, it's cheap to run. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to run a clinical trial or to get data on a new drug in like Australia or in another country. And you can't, you have to have, you know, people, the U S going through it too, at some point, but you can get pretty far doing trials overseas or, and it's a lot, it's, it's a lot more cost effective. Yeah. We're getting better at predicting what will work ahead of time. That's awesome. Which means we won't waste so much time and money on things that won't work which means investors are going to be more likely to want to invest. So you can see how this is a upward spiral. And it, it, it yeah. also seems like well, what you were talking about earlier, about outsiders coming in and revolutionizing and changing industry. I'm seeing that in a lot of other spaces, right? Like, so Elon was an outsider in the automotive industry and he, you know, came in and completely changed that up. So it's interesting that you're talking about these software individuals that are coming in and helping um, change things up. You, you, case in point, you. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you.
Well, um, so one of the, the final question I've been asking people on, on the, uh, the pod is if uh, you had the ability, if the president of the United States said, Jess, um, I'm giving you the microphone, you're going to, uh, I need you to give a state of the union address uh, to the American people. What would you say? Um, well, knowing me from the past hour here, it's going to be a very optimistic speech. I want to talk about how, like, we're on the cusp of some incredible greatness here as a nation. I mean, AI being an American invention, mm-hmm. how great is this? This will secure our long-term domination as, uh, you know, as the American empire, so to speak. And so China, Russia, I know we're a little worried about that, but with AI, um, you know, being such a core competency of ours, like we're going to break away and we're going to stay ahead for easily the next century, if not indefinitely. And it's, um, so that's huge. Um, Two, our scientific research and the advances we're making there um, are also going to enable us to make sure that our citizens are healthier, live longer, um, and have all these other benefits that also, um, you know, ensure our long-term supremacy. So, you know, all in all, I think, yes, we have a lot of problems. Yes, there's still lots of issues we got to work through, but like, it's going in a good direction. Yeah. And so that's what I would say in my, my speech. Well, there's no better way to sign off than that right there. Jess, you have always been optimistic. You're, you're a individual who is passionate about helping other people, and I can see it in all of the businesses that you're doing. Your words of encouragement uh, this afternoon have been beneficial not only to me, but I know my daughter and others who are listening are going to walk away motivated and inspired and just great words of wisdom. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and sharing a little bit of what you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey, and keep up the great work. We're going to continue to follow you. Thank you so much. This is fun. Absolutely. Take care. Today's episode was engineered by Mitch White with graphic and marketing by Tristan Dickey. Special thanks to our guest, Jess Ma, for taking time to be with us. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you go to listen to your favorite pods. If you like the show, please share it with a friend and give us a review. That is always appreciated. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we look forward to spending time with you again next week.